0: Hello and welcome to Steph. (laughs) Oh, hello and welcome to the Steph Sanzaro podcast. My name is Steph and I am very, very happy to have you here with Joe and I as we listen in on part two of our incredible conversation last week. Now, before we get started, this podcast is a space for open and honest conversation a space for my guests and I to lean into vulnerability and to talk about the things that are really important to us and the things that we want to raise awareness for. And I think in last week's episode, Joe and I did a really beautiful job of that, and I guarantee that there is more on its way today. If you haven't had a chance to listen in on part one, then I definitely recommend hitting the pause button right here and heading on back to give that one a listen first. I'd love to say a massive thank you to everyone who has taken the time to listen into that episode already and for the beautiful messages that have found their way to both Joe and I. I know that there are quite a few of you out there who are quite excited for today's episode to air, so I promise not to keep you too much longer. I'd just like to remind you that today's episode does come with a trigger warning for grief. I do recommend moving through this episode very, very mindfully. Today, I pose a separate question to you, that potentially being triggered is not always the worst thing. Being triggered can actually help us gain awareness into something that is sitting within us that we do need to meet and we do need to confront. And sometimes when I am triggered in my grief, it is an incredible reminder of the duality that exists between pain and love. And even though these emotions are very hard to sit in and very difficult, and it takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength, I know that you can do it. I know that you have it in you. So without further ado, I would love to introduce you to part two with the incredible Joe Betts.
1: Um, and so I guess, yeah, I I like opening up that conversation of going, well, these are the reasons like, you know, I might still be hurting. And I think when people really think about it, they actually get it. For if sure. You, if you explain it well enough as to why something hurts or why I might be feeling this way three years on or what sort of trips me up in my grief, then people kind of, when they really take a step back, they go, yeah, okay, I start to understand that. Um, but a
0: fact it needs to be explained.
1: It needs to be explained, but also that, you know, that I'm explaining three years later about what's happened (laughs) in year one because I hadn't felt comfortable to or, yeah, it just kind of wasn't. But also really? like
0: to process those emotions back then, like that it's okay that you didn't.
1: Yes, yeah. And look I'm I'm all for yeah. like, you know, especially when it comes to social media, like I share a bit, not everything. Yeah. Um but also I only do it when I'm ready. Like yeah. often when I've prepared a post, like I'll probably have written that two weeks ago, maybe three days ago. Because yeah. I I need to be in the right frame of mind to to put it out there and expose myself in that sense and, and to take what comes comes back you know to be yeah. able to respond but yeah like I, I'm, I'm mindful of that because yeah I am vulnerable and um <clears throat> yeah I'm very probably considered about what I do but most of it is with the thought of you know how does this help me or how does this help mm-hmm. others impart sort of information or give them a little bit of an insight as to I guess what goes on in the world of like the life of a widow <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and I and you know it's funny because I know I know people are fascinated but I'm equally as fascinated by what's happening to me than perhaps onlookers are but you know I've been able to too like also in amongst the pain and sadness go that there's actually really amazing aspects of my life mm. too and so it's been nice to share a balance of both parts. And that's, and that's where I'm just a little bit like I'm... <laughs> the things that just came to my head were putting together the bed for Heidi.
0: Oh, yeah. And then also, oh, wow, baking the cake. Baking the cake. <laughs> oh,
1: my so gosh. Much. I'm <laughs> like, there's some good things going on. And I often think that I'm like... Hilarious. I don't want people sitting... They're thinking because it's not true that I'm stuck in a corner wearing no. all black, <laughs> grieving, and I've got this like black, the widow, the <laughs> rocking backwards and forwards, and and you know I think a big part of me is kind of gone. These kind of things can happen to anyone, and in the most normal person, I am the most normal, average person. Something truly I think hor- you're pretty special. <laughs> I just think I'm very normal, very average. Something truly horrific has happened, but. I've been able to work my way through that and I still just want people to have a level of comfortability um, with me and so I work really hard to ensure that, you know, a big part of my personality is having people feel comfortable with me and um, when I first had that taken away from me, it devastated me absolutely not me for six, and I remember first going to the psychologist saying to her, please heal me, check that list, and I said, but also, what else I asked? I don't want to be changed, because <laughs> I quite like okay. <laughs> Are you The
0: saying? biggest misconception ever, it's like, grief will <laughs> just, not change me. will not change me.
1: <laughs> please don't, <laughs> like. and I, I remember I bawled, like it was like the whole thing, I'm sitting there in shock saying, yep, the husband's died, yes, I was attempting resuscitation, and not upset at all. You were connecting please, to your story. I know but I said, but please don't let this change me <laughs> Oh, my <And> God. <laughs> sobbed and sobbed and sobbed oh. and I could not get my head around it. And I think it was because I <clears throat> was trying to come back into the world and I often say this yeah. it was like I was ready to come back into the world and the world wasn't quite ready for me. Mm-hmm. As in when people saw me, you could see this shocked expression like oh, shit, the widow's out. Oh. <laughs> the widow's out. And that was that was really hard to deal. Yeah with. Um, and yeah, and I think like, as I'm sort of, yeah, working through that, like I guess, yeah, you start to show different sides of you because you're, you're looking at people either expecting you to be in the corner crying and sobbing. Alternatively, I think in, especially in those early days, if they saw me in an event and I was laughing and smiling, there's probably a bit of a look of concern too. And I'm like, mm. they, they can both sit together. they happiness and the sadness can live together and yeah yeah for sure like because also what has happened to me sounds so bloody awful and it was but I've been able to rebuild myself into a person that I've always I think wanted to be and I like myself a lot better for it so going back to gratitude (laughs) there it's incredibly difficult to say, but it's there's been aspects that I'm grateful for that I am, um, I you know I'll never know, but I think I've got a better relationship with Heidi
0: mm.
1: now. Um, I think I'm more present. I think I'm happy to share my emotion a bit more. Whereas, as I said, I've always been a pretty cool, calm, and collected. There would mm. not have been anyone that's sort of said I've seen Joe cry or, yeah. you know, anything like that. I just, you know. I smile away, whereas I've been a lot better at kind of saying, you know, Jay, I feel sad, like turning up here and just like, yeah, I just feel a bit off, like rather than kind of going, I'm good, I'm good, good thanks. Like I've, you know, I'm... And that's not necessary here. No, even. no. And I also, I just know deep down in me too that I have been, as I was saying before, like some dark dark places and when you're in those really dark places I know for me my greatest wish was I just want to feel good Mm. I just want to feel good I just want to feel good and so when I feel good I do not take that for granted whatsoever and that ultimately that's what my life goal revolves around is just to feel good and to me that's a pretty like easy thing to ask of life is in i don't need to be the most successful i don't need six million dollars i don't need a flash car (laughs) or whatever it is that if i have my health my family my daughter um that i get to have a holiday every now and then i'm like so good meals like and so it's it's changed my perception on things that i will be the first person that could be sitting down you know having cooked something or out for a meal and just think oh my god like how good's this yeah like and I just do like <laughs> it's I a actually, deeper sense of appreciation I just kind of go, yeah how good is this like driving down here the coast just almost thinking like oh my god like the world's beautiful and yeah I've got a new appreciation for the really little things that I probably so, missed when I was going through the motions mm-hmm. of life and yeah, I think without that really dark space, I wouldn't have been able to find that, I guess, light in life, but also going, oh, my God, it's like it's been in front of me the whole time. It's so simple. It mm. is so simple. And, you know, that's the thing, like, I guess, when you've been stripped right back of everything and every sense of the word, because really, Crane's death, there was not one aspect of my life that it didn't impact, mainly work. Like, that was probably the only... Mm. But even then, I was going, it probably has. i a bloody marriage song. <laughs> Whose husband's died. Oh. <laughs> like, but you know, that's that is all been fine. But I remember thinking at the time, I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, this might ruin me." But um, <laughs> never. Yeah, but I was just thinking, I was like, I every aspect of my life is being impacted. I'm now widowed. I'm now a single, solo mother. Yeah. <clears throat> I've lost the finances that he provided for our family. Um, yeah. Oh. Well, best friend, protector. You know, soulmate. Every everything was had just been ripped out from
0: yeah
1: underneath me and I'm I'm 23 like yeah I'm and that's the thing I've built this life with him there was a future I guess we expected to have Mm -hmm. together like I never imagined this
0: and then you had to learn how to do it alone
1: I had to do it yeah all on my own and and so in a way I can go it's been so hard and I think it's going to continue I mean my life's not easy it's It's not easy, it's exhausting. And, you know, bringing up a child on your own is really, really tough. And with, I guess, the added layer of grieving and trying to manage all of that. But at the same time too, I guess when I was saying, you know, Craig was my biggest support and backer and Mm -hmm. all of those things, I guess what I'm slowly learning and look, don't get me wrong, I think I'm still always gonna look for his support and backing and and I don't have that but I'm learning to I guess back myself a little bit more and so that's a beautiful part of it and yeah um yeah it is interesting when I'm saying about his support because like I <clears throat> I started to sort of get into I, I need to get into it more I say this all the time but meditation <laughs> meditation I can't do it for long meditation for me any longer than 10 minutes is is, is although I should be doing it more but It's really interesting I got into it.
0: It's like like seeing your thoughts like flash back and forth and you're going like come on, you know you should be doing it. I
1: know I should be doing it. I've got to get into it. And every time I do it, I think, God, this is good. But when I do meditate, funnily enough, I I go to the same place all the time. So I I, whether you're giving me um, what do they say when it's like a guided meditation mm. or whether it's just silence. I, I'm not listening to the guided. Like, because <laughs> I've, I've, I've found, I went to this like little exercise group where we did um, meditation every time after exercise for 10 or 15 minutes. And I think one of them wasn't guided and all of a sudden I thought about So Craig and I had taken a trip to Cambodia and just you know, not have one of those like life's perfect days and we just we had one of those days where we went down to this beach and we we're eating like these amazing like little lobster tails and <laughs> um you know being sold by a local woman and having a beer and getting in out of the water and there's hardly oh, yeah. anyone around perfect. it was just a blissful day mm. and so I always when I meditate It's like I walk down to the water's edge, he comes and meets me. I tell him all my life's problems and he always tells me it's going to be okay. And it's it's a really, it's really interesting. I find that I still go back to him. To that and that even I'm like trying to learn how to back myself but it's like that, that reassurance was so important to me and I guess when you are saying when you've lost your nana and she was that protector and the guide yeah. for you that you can always and that beacon that you go back to yeah. that's where it's such a huge loss yeah in itself and but I do find a lot of comfort in that and it was interesting when <clears throat> I hit a bit of a grief-like hurdle through the first lockdown this year and it all stemmed around and essentially I just got overwhelmed one day when I realized I didn't get the chance to say goodbye to Craig in the way that I would have hoped or would have imagined and um I yeah I was completely beside myself about it and just kind of rolling with the emotions of going it's unfair this has pissed me off (laughs) um yeah crying really upset and then I spoke to my psychologist probably a few days later I had an appointment so interesting how their appointments come up at a, at a, really, appropriate <laughs> time. At a really appropriate time yeah and, um, same <laughs> she kind of like said to me so I'm talking to her I'm like oh my god I'm so upset like I never got to say goodbye and I just wish you know I could have told him like no actually I don't think I was getting to sure. you know just I could have said stuff to him and um could have had oysters or something like that and then she just said she's like all right well just tell me like what is it that you wanted to say to him and I like got pulled up really short, where I got to shut myself and I said well to be honest I go there's not really anything I wanted to say to him I just wanted him to tell me it was going to be okay and I think that's it's like I'm still seeking that because he was that person for me that when everything seemed to fall apart or I was upset that he, I would go to him and he would just say, like, it's all going to be okay because I know deep down that he knew that I loved him. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, you didn't need to say that again. And I don't think... He knew. I would ever be able to say a proper goodbye. I don't think... You ever can but it's yeah I just got a real shock that I was like I'm still looking for that from him in that it's just going to be okay and I think deep down I know (laughs) it's going to be okay but um yeah I, I think I would have loved that from him to have had that moment where he could reassure me and say to me you know you're not failing as a parent you're going to do this you're going to do that like just to give me that little boost up so yeah whenever I meditate it's basically that's where I go to and I go down the beach and we sit together and he puts some around me it's it's like yeah it's gonna be okay
0: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah that one um, yeah that one's got me which is probably why why I don't meditate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of resistance because I just <laughs> I don't want to no. be faced with
1: those emotions right now. But it is it's, it's really beautiful too, and it's I I think from that spiritual kind of aspect. I guess that's where it happens to me is thinking about him talking with me, and um, I guess still having those conversations from time to time because yeah you know I think an important aspect of grief is obviously staying connected to them in some way but it's hard to find those ways sometimes so too because you know I signs and things like that like I was like oh I don't get the signs I'm not getting the signs that's why like I don't <laughs> dream about him a lot like I've had a few sort of vivid dreams of more so early early on um so yeah, I think it's, I've kind of perhaps created that spiritual connection yeah. for us in that, that sense. But I but I also too, like it's it's really interesting because as much as I've, this has been like a really painful experience, even from the moment of Craig, like Craig's death and what I've read from other people of, you know, a feeling like their heart has been broken or mm. is empty, I've actually never had that feeling. Like I just... My heart still feels really full. And maybe that's because he poured so much love into into me, which makes it, you know, very bittersweet in that sense. But I knew how much I was loved by him. And I think, well what like how amazing is that that you kind of get to go like I don't like I knew that within myself and you know he knew how much i loved him and yeah it's it's an interesting one because i often think is that just him around me keeping my heart full and so perhaps i don't need the signs it's just kind of yeah within me yeah I don't know. that's
0: really beautiful that you say that because i think a lot of people are separated from their loved ones due to loss and death mm-hmm. and there isn't closure there's longing and there's wonder like i wish i had said this or i did they love me or were they proud of me you know like there's there's this unknowing Mm. that i think there can be a lot more like it gets a cause of grief as well yes but it is so beautiful to just hear you say that he knew how now it's not (laughs) once my eyes start my nose starts to (laughs) say um that you just knew that he loved you and that and he knew that you loved him. Mm. Like, it...
1: and I, I, maybe that comes from, like, I don't know, like, like knowing each other so well, as in, mm. I do, like, I just think we had a really, like, and it wasn't, you know, really, like, it was no great love story, anything like that, but I just think, uh, oh, I mean, <laughs> really, like, content, in my opinion, <laughs> really content with each other. And I think that's when you say to me, like, if you were to ever ask, like, did he love me? Would he be proud of me then and now? I can kind of go like, yep, yep, yep. Like I just, yeah, feel like feel that way. And I know we were having that conversation earlier around. I just know, like, your nan for you, for me, Craig just want would want the best for me, yeah, the best for his daughter, happiness i don't he would not want me wearing black sitting in the corner being the one at the party like ruining every party it's like well at least you've got a husband so you. <laughs> and i never wanted that for myself either i just think you know he would just be like get amongst it like he hasn't got this chance like that's the cruel side of it you know this large life character hasn't had the chance to see his life through but in saying that i do sometimes wonder, i'm like did he know did he know that he wasn't going to live this long because the way he lived his life was so full? Cool? um maybe maybe you know, who know, knows was
0: that comment that he made in byron bay you i know, was
1: and it's often was like, it the
0: start of what was going to happen next
1: i totally sometimes think that i might like, because you know, in relationships, like how many conversations do you have, and you not sort of take a huge note of it? And I know that that hit me at the time, and I took that kind of with me as in, and I sometimes go, oh, when is that the wake up call? It says stop just going through the motions, yeah. have life, and just be in it and living it. And I think in a way, I'm sort of starting to, I guess, embody some of those beautiful characteristics that Craig had of just. Yeah, being in life, being present, enjoying it for what it is. I mean, I sometimes I have to laugh at what's happened to me. I'm like, life's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? You win some, you lose some. Doesn't mean it's not deeply painful or deeply happy or whatever it is, but I go, that's the beauty I can see in it. And you know guess where that strength comes from i'm a little bit like i remember just sort of thinking after creative die i was like wow what a stitcher like, but, <laughs> but also kind of going to the world like do you know what you you've basically taken nearly everything i've got from me but watch me like i'll come back and i'll come back harder like so there is a stubborn little bastard in me <laughs> <laughs> that is a fighter that kind of yeah. says like do you know what keep, like keep at me that's fine because you know I must admit I think I thought that I perhaps would get the immunity at least for like bad things never happening to you again but it,
0: no. it's
1: life it's like you know it works I just remember thinking I was like we did the first year I was like oh you know 2018 we'll write that off because you know it's your first full year of grief like it won't be great and I found you know so of year two was sort of starting to really wear me down and was tough and came into 2019 I was like this is the year this is the year and my dad got really unwell and oh. you know he's fortunately okay now but came out of a few operations but in a wheelchair and you know it was six months of really full on kind of, you know, being in hospital and rehab and things like that and trying to help mum and God. I must admit I was just kind of going like at the start of it, What? Like yeah. how is this happening? I actually yeah. was really embarrassed. I didn't really want to tell people because I kept thinking that we're going, Oh my God, hasn't this girl had enough family? Yeah. And as it is and I guess too like you know, I didn't come into this year at all. I think I'd learned my lesson as in not new, <laughs> new me. And then, you know, <laughs> then you go here's a global pandemic, and ah. you throw that into the mix. And but I think I'm like you know, right,
0: like,
1: I mean, <laughs> right. I think I've just kind of gone like you know what, I can't sit around and feel sorry for myself at all. Like it's just you know, have to roll with the good, the bad. The ugly, and it's, and it's hard at times. It's really, really hard. But I think if yes. sometimes you can just take a step back and go like, all right, well, there's a lot of beauty in life as well. And, yeah. um, you know, we'd all rather be here than, than not much. be here. So you've just kind of got to take it for what it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, I know this isn't a nice analogy, but like, rolling with the punches is like literally how
1: I feel like. <laughs> I feel like that's my life, two steps so yeah. off. Where I'm like, yeah, all right, come at me, round three, round four. <laughs> yeah. But I'm
0: I like, think surely not another round. <laughs>
1: oh. But I think too. I'm like, I must admit, I think a sense of humor has got me yeah. a long way too. Because you can <laughs> sit back and just laugh at it and go, "Wow!" Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. and
1: I have like spent so much time, like, you know, laughing, crying, happy, sad. But I've, I like that element of my life that it is a bit all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. that perhaps I'm not trying to control always as much as I perhaps used to and when it comes from an emotional sort of perspective just as I said like I think if you had seen me in the first 12 months to do a podcast like this or any kind of talk I wouldn't have cried I would have Mm. like just you know come out done what I had to do like almost like I probably would have rehearsed all my answers and just go get it out there because also don't let people see you cry because they'll feel sorry for you or get upset for you and um yeah I think I've enjoyed now that I think I'm sitting in a much more vulnerable sort of space and yeah yeah, having a cry like whether it's with strangers or with people that I know and, and 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 being okay with that because look essentially my friends also are like you're so annoying like you don't cry enough like, we're they're like we just want you to break down and you don't break down <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> like we just want to be here for you and i get it like it must be really frustrating you know supporting people who are grieving and yeah. and wanting to be there for them and i'm so lucky because i i do have some amazing friends and family who make me laugh and um, yeah, I'm sorry that I don't cry.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I'm not grieving the way
1: you want me to. (laughs) Yes, apologies. (laughs) I'm still laughing and still having a glass of wine, but that's just, I think, yeah, my personal, and I think there's also, I have a really good conversation the guy the other week around um if resilience is innate or something that can be taught and Mm. anyway we we got talking because he I think he was like look I he's like I want you to be able to be vulnerable with me we don't know each other he's in Sydney I'm in Geelong and um yeah having these kind of conversations and I was talking about you know I guess um you know keeping strong or in front of other people and um Yes, I was, yeah, sort of said to him, I was like, I don't cry much around friends or family and things like that. And, I, and it might just be part of my personality too, but he'd sort of started talking about my childhood. And I think I've always been like that. I like for people to feel mm-hmm. good around me. And then he said, oh God, they must have been so upset when Craig died. And then I burst into tears like because I feel more, it's almost like I've got more empathy for them than I do for myself. For like it, it really upsets me the outcome for them. And I'm the bloody person that's dealt with I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's such a, I think that's a really interesting one because he was like, well, tell me about bringing, you know, some of your friends and family, tell them news. And I I get really upset recalling that or um, talking about it. And, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's strange, that's strange. But maybe it is. It's just like I, yeah, like people to feel... Good or comfortable around me, but the same token, too, I've got to get better at it. Also, just going, just let it go, let the friends see me cry. Exactly.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's a beautiful thing to want to make them feel comfortable, and you know, to, to, but then editing and filtering yourself in a way that even you don't even recognize what's actually going on or what you're actually feeling.
1: That's where it becomes detrimental. It's totally true, completely true. And it's also like, too, you just gotta, I look at it and go, Well, I would hope someone would come to me if they were upset and crying and think that they can be vulnerable Mm -hmm. with me. So I've gotta give it the same respect. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Because it's a two way street. It is. Yeah. I'm still learning. Yeah, and (laughs)
0: vulnerability, like, it definitely does need to be shared. think
1: yeah i agree yeah i yes because i think the beauty in having these kind of conversations too and these experiences of grief you know as hard as it is you do get that empathy for other people and i think when someone can say to you i've been through something that you know it may not be similar at all but I can resonate with the feelings and things yeah. too that and they show their vulnerability that you can be able to do like they're able to do that with them too and it's funny I probably yeah I probably am starting to create like a little grief community yeah. <laughs> of friends and family like you know maybe attracting those kind of people or where you can just be sit in it yeah just authentically you and just be like yeah, yeah that was really bad or um yeah have a cry have a tear and I know I ran into a girl like months ago and I had a cry with her and I don't even hmm. know for what reason but I just <laughs> was that kind of but I let it go like I was like yeah don't even try and pull back or apologize for it oh, that's so kind good. of go yeah I'm just having one of those days thanks for that
0: <laughs> yeah well I always feel like my cries are really cathartic
1: like they yeah
0: they're like energizing in a way like I feel completely dead after it and I I lay on that couch over there and I'm just like okay and I curl up in a little cocoon and I'm like well that was exhausting wasn't it but I always do feel like what you mentioned earlier in the episode is that the next day I'll wake up and I'm fine good. yeah and I'm like okay ready to go thrive ready to go like do the day but who who knows onto
1: it like I I feel the same way, that when I can get a good cry out, like I actually enjoy it. Yeah. Because I know it's having positive effects. I mean, I, I think, you know, when I was mentioning earlier about the day I said to my sister, I was like, oh, coming around, I've cried all day. And I just, I wanted to keep rolling with it. I was like, yeah. just yeah. get this all out. This is probably six months worth of stuff that <laughs> you're yeah. dealing with. That is just, yeah to the surface and it's hit you and it's just yeah go with it well you can because I can get distracted so easily mm. from it that when I do hit those big moments I've got to just go with it yeah. and I mean if only you could schedule them <laughs> I mean, like, I'd like it to be for this Friday when I've got a clear calendar the child's <laughs> not at home and I'm just gonna and because if I'm only... saying sometimes I've been a bit disappointed. I know I'll probably try and book a weekend away at some point over the coming months and I wonder like, I, yeah, I'm tired. It's been a big year of not having much time away from Heidi. I think probably I need a bit of space to actually mentally process what's happened this year because yeah, I think yeah, I think with the pandemic, like I've certainly focused on that and that's been rocky but I wonder whether it's pushed my grief aside a little bit as well. Yeah. And I, I really feel so horrible for people that are in those early stages of grief Mm. the six months the one years the two years you know and i'm only three years of going it's it's really taken a focus of people who are grieving and really need help at this time because we've there's a bigger problem exactly out there and so yeah my yeah heart really feels broken for those people but i yeah i'm even thinking just for my own perspective i'm a little bit like it's like i need to go away and just go where am i at with this and obviously it's starting to hit me a bit at the moment because i'm going i'm you know it was like on monday why am i so sad and i was like i just really miss my husband i just really miss him and i need some time to go away and think about that and um for me like that travel or going away is a such a good retreat because often I can go away and just be a bit like yeah I'm sad I'm in it but then come out the other side of it and i yeah. l- like I love like hiking and things like that too where I listen to like sad music yes. for half of it and I <laughs> have a cry and I'm oh woe is me <laughs> It's so unfair.
0: But it needs to be allowed. Like, yeah. I mean, not from other people, but ourselves. Yes. Like, We need to allow ourselves to do that.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's really important to find a thing that helps you do that. And for me, yeah. it's always been walking. I've realized too, I was thinking, I was like, maybe where I've been a bit tripped up in grief this year is normally for me driving in a car where you've got no distractions and it's yeah. music that... Often that's where I get upset. We've been driving this much <laughs> oh, this year, true. so I'm like, "You need that outlet. I need the I need the road trip yeah. that gives me yeah. an hour of just kind of yeah. thinking." And um, yeah, I think grief's been a really hard for people. Like it's, it's it's been brought to the forefront because we are grieving a lot, and not yeah. just the death of people. It's yeah you know, our old lives, it's our freedom and things like that too, but I'm like, for those that are actually grieving the death of someone, I do feel someone has probably been pushed aside for them and, um, yeah, personally and also
0: socially, Yeah, and like, because no one else, like, it was very quick, because Nat only passed away in July, and my good friend's dad only just passed away, like, um, seven weeks ago, and... There's just too much going on for everyone else for it to be a priority. No, and you know mine happened right during the first lockdown. I think it was, right? and or maybe just as we were coming out, and you know we weren't allowed to have a proper funeral or anything like that. And but then I think within a week, like I didn't really hear from anyone again
1: no. about it because there's there's too much. No, <laughs> like it sounds. So I feel push-safe. I feel bad yeah. for everyone else because like I get it; they're going through a lot
0: too. But then like you know. I this sounds so horrible, but I literally was in this little other house down in Anglesey that I was house sitting and I laid in the dark with all the blinds closed and I just binged watched supernatural and I would like, you know, get home from being somewhere else and then I would just get back into that and yes. I would pour myself a glass of wine yeah. and I was having like up to three glasses of wine mm. a night. You know, I like just going gets to
1: through.
0: Yeah, I was going to bed drunk. Yeah. You know, and it was but, helping yeah. me. I was like, I need this.
1: Because also, you're sitting on a couch at home mm. alone, like I would say, I drank yeah, I so much, so much that first year or even two, especially once I yeah. moved into my own place and there was no one watching over exactly. me. Exactly. That was either my greatest, like, oh, I don't and, know, I, and it's numbing. It I mean, I've always, I think for me, I've always been quite lucky as an alcohol is really numbing for me. So Same. actually it makes me feel happier. Um, yeah. maybe not so much the next day, but, um, <laughs> but when I'm in it, like I'm not, I don't get sad and I don't no, I I mean get aggressive saying. or anything. So, but the problem is then you keep coming because yeah. you're like, well, that gives me a nice buzzy exactly. feeling. And it takes me away from the bullshit that I'm me dealing away from reality. with, um, but you, you, you're right as in the time frames of your nan passing and mm. the I've done and grief
0: on fast forward, I think.
1: And it's not good. Like no, it's, it's. I don't think there's been enough time to... Not enough time, and <sighs> I hate to say it, but almost like recognition of what you've lost. Yeah, there's been none of that. And... But that's okay. Yeah, I just, as I said, like I just... I'll grieve that too. Yeah, and, and it is. That's another aspect of it, and it's It's really, here's <laughs> my analogy. I always kind of say it, it's been interesting... <laughs> I've looked at book sales like obviously with things that are going on and I remember saying to my sister she might have said to me like oh have you sold anyone like any today or something I said no it's Saturday I said no one cares about grieving people on a Saturday (laughs) or a Sunday I said it's weekends weekends are incredibly difficult for people who are grieving particularly i guess people who are grieving the loss of maybe a child or a partner where your family dynamic or you know if you'd spend a lot of time with your on weekends like it's changed and it's shifted and you don't have the routine of work but the problem is everyone else is in their yeah. own life so i always like so book sales go well monday to friday different. Yeah. and i'm like it's sad but it's true yes. um, you know when people are off on their normal everyday lives they do stop thinking about their loved ones who are going through a hard time and that doesn't even necessarily have to be I guess grief but yeah interesting so (laughs) interesting little thing and it's also
0: like on the weekends because I don't find Mm -hmm. myself like having the energy to be as social or I just don't have the energy. And sometimes I, I need to explain that better to people than I do. But yeah, I also look on my phone and I'm kind of just like, oh, look at all these people together and all this sort of stuff just recently. But I yeah. think COVID in a way was a little bit good for me in that respect because yes. I didn't have FOMO as much because people weren't allowed to go anywhere.
1: And I probably have been a little bit the same because it's a, it's a hard balance to strike too because sometimes by the end of the week, I don't have energy to do anything. But mm. sometimes too... I'm like, why haven't other families asked us to join them? Why have kids? Oh, God. I like, yeah, I had had an incident early into my grief. It was like the first weekend I hadn't worked or something like that or being distracted by something. And, um, yeah, I was trying to catch up with the family. It just didn't work out. Then I ended up upset because I thought they were just saying, we don't want you hanging out with our family, which I probably totally read into and and then i reached out to a friend who was like come on down talk he's just like well, I, don't, I don't care like we'd love to have you we'd love to see you but that real wake-up call of going like oh we have to encroach on someone's weekend like all the time we want yes. to spend time with them so there's always that pressure and because heidi is an only child of going like we need mm. something to do because she needs to be socialized and can't just sit at home with me have like, certainly got better at it Now I've got, you know, saying I've got a really good relationship with my sister. So I spend a lot of time with them and I never have to sort of feel guilty about it. But you do feel weird sometimes being like, yeah, can we come and hang out with you? Like, (laughs) that's sad Mm -hmm. because I remember how special family time was for us. And maybe that came with because I was working a lot of weekends. We'd get Mm -hmm. to a Sunday as in I was like, I don't really want anyone else around. I just want to be Craig Heidi and I, but maybe that's because we were selfish and we just like being with each other. <laughs> maybe other families like having people. Maybe around. they do. But, yeah, there is aspects of grief like that that you, you don't think of, that you go, well, mm-hmm. what happens to these people on a weekend when yeah. there isn't the, the routine? And, um, yeah. yeah, it certainly made me look at it, yeah, with different eyes in that sense of where I do, yeah, think about others and... Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I think I've just got better at it now. It's just kind of going like, yeah, I'm coming to your place. Like, yeah. Put up with me. Or, yeah. you know, um, one of my really good friends is a single mum also, and I think it's strengthened our bond mm. in that sense because there's more availability to hang out with her and not feel yeah. guilty about that we're sort of, you know, coming in on their family time or anything yeah. like that. So you just, yeah, you find your feet, but it is certainly something that's probably not considered. Yeah. Mm. I
0: just feel like being a mum and you know raising Heidi now Mm. you know solo I just it's nothing that you ever anticipated but it sounds like you are doing a brilliant job because (sighs) I listen to how much work that you're doing for yourself doing therapy Mm. kinesiology all the healing (laughs) modalities that you've done like you're actually trying to get better yeah, and you're trying to move forward and do all the good things. Mm-hmm. And I just know that a child looks up to their parent and basically like copies them and models everything. Yeah. So if you're doing all the beautiful, amazing things, she's got
1: such a beautiful role model in you. Oh, look, I hope so, Steph. Like it's uh, it's been such a tricky role for me to navigate. And probably the part I hated most after Craig Dive was going, oh my God, I'm a single mum. Mm-hmm. I am the single mom and I I probably attach some kind of stigma to that as well and I I don't know why because it's it's an awful thing to think that you know that single parents have this stigma attached to them and I really hated it and I found it so tough initially and so it's been Something I've like, yeah, worked on and hasn't always felt like it's come naturally, but I just remember, you know, that straight away I was like, I don't want this to ruin my life and more so I don't want this to ruin Heidi's life. And I guess the biggest piece of advice I got from a psychologist who was a friend of ours was that he said the lucky thing is you're probably always going to be a step ahead of her in your grief so that whatever mm-hmm. you learn through that you can then impart to her. Like she's she's younger and... Um, yeah, you, you'll always be a step ahead. Cause I just remember going there and just going, I don't know, I've got no idea. How do I parent a grieving child? Like, I don't know this and I'm trying to deal with the loss of my husband and I'm trying to parent her and I'm trying to nurture her grief. But I think-
0: God, it's just so much. Yeah, it's
1: really overwhelming. But I think I'm just finding my feet with it where I just try to be open and honest with her. I mean, she's seven to what is appropriate for her and we talk about Craig a lot but it's also okay if we don't talk about him all Mm -hmm. the time too and um he's just kind of integrated into our lives in in little ways and big ways too and um you know she's really funny because I'll be like who do you love most and or you know do you love me and she'll say I love you mommy and daddy like always (laughs) always like so I think she's quite protective about him. But yeah, I certainly, I think, you know, I got a bit of a rude shock last year when Heidi was struggling a bit at school and they said to me, we're going to get the school counselor or psychologist, you know, involved with your permission. And I naturally was like, yeah, sure. Went on for a walk around the block and burst into tears Uh-oh. going like, you know, it's just, cause I guess always in the back of your mind, there's this worry and fear going, how does this impact her life for yeah. the rest of her life? Because I know it's going to. Yeah. And then I just sort of took a step back from it and went, well, hang on. I go to a psychologist, mm. so why am I like, why am I thinking this is not a good thing mm. for her to do? And I just, yeah, want to be open and honest with her and nurture her through it as much as possible because I do think it's going to be hard for her. I think her grief is only going to evolve further, further and further the older that she gets. Yeah. So I think initially you know, because I was dealing with a four-year-old, a five-year-old at that point, he is really just trying to make sense of it. And happy is Larry still, like beautiful yeah. little girl who, you know, and she is still really happy. But I was like, wow, check me out, I've nailed this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> grieving for the child done as well. And, yeah, you know, it tripped me up a little bit this year because she was, she was upset about Father's Day. And mm. I think, I always feel like I can handle my grief. I've got the knowledge I've got the access to the resources but the responsibility of her grief does lay within in me because she's not old enough yet to be able to make up her own mind or yeah. go to see a doctor if she thought something was wrong or or do something about it so it does it feels like a big responsibility and I try to go off gut instinct mainly and I did a really beautiful interesting when I was driving up to here because um, I did this camp called Wombat's Wish, which is actually like a organisation that I help support through the sales of the grief journal. Um, and they're a char- like a camp for children who are bereaved. So it, children that have lost a parent. Um, essentially they get a group together once or twice a year of mainly Geelong children and sometimes Melbourne if they can cater for it. And Yeah, it's a a space for the children to not feel so alone. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was was beautiful. But they, so they were up in um, Umarela camp is where they start. Oh, it was in umarella, It was somewhere around here. But anyway, I thought the camp was going to be that we just sent off the kids and the parents. Maybe we sat around and had a coffee and had a chat. But no, we got born into Anglesey and we're put through a pretty comprehensive, um, I guess, probably should say psychology sort of session. So there was maybe six or seven of us that were widows there were no widowers with us um but probably four psychologists and we talked all weekend and cried and um yeah it was pretty full on but i just remember just taking some things from that being you've got to be open and honest you cannot Hmm. hide this from them um and i sort of take that from my emotions too like i said i'm not a huge cry but i'm not afraid to say to heidi like I've had a really sad day today. I really missed you, or I really missed daddy, and um, I just, geez, was, no, actually it was Monday, but I was still having sense sad day. I ripped my Lorna Jane tights that I had no. <laughs> Oh no! and I also realised that my sister had moved house and she had rental keys and I'd gone to close the garage for her to help with her dog and I'd returned to her my letterbox key and taken the house's garage key with me so I had to go to the real estate. I just remember like Heidi got out from school and she's like How's your day? And I said, Hi. It's, I've had a really bad day. And she's like, Have you? And I said, Yeah. I've ripped my tights. <laughs> Showed
0: oh. her the proof because I
1: couldn't even bother changing. I've taken the wrong key. And I said, And I'm a bit sad about Daddy as well. And she's like, Ah. Oh, well, that's not good. Like, they're so innocent. She's like, yeah. That's not good. You'll be right. And I'm like, Yeah, I know. But it's like, it's even for me getting off my chest. I mean, I'm always, I think, going to have a pretty unique relationship with Heidi because mm. we. You know, it's interesting. It did change my relationship with her and I'm not sure necessarily at the start in the best way. I think we've both lost a lot of trust in each other and I don't know why I feel the way I do about this but I think there was something in me that feels like when I told her the news that Craig had died that I was the first one in her life to like break her heart. Oh. And I wonder whether... <clears throat> yeah it's a really tough burden to bear and I think too like in that first year or so like you're grieving hard I'm probably didn't feel like I was being the most not responsible parent but I don't think present and I think I still feel a lot of guilt about that and um you were
0: just doing the best you just could do, do. And, I,
1: and i do i look at it and go god joe like you you were a shell a person you were trying to rebuild everything up and but you had to caring, be a mum at the same and, time yeah and i remember my psychologist saying i wonder whether there's a little bit of resentment from me as well going like if i didn't have heidi like she's my everyday reminder of everything that i've lost yeah. like right there in that little human that you love so much of course. But sometimes you think, oh, I guess, and it would never have worked, but I was like, if she wasn't here, I could have just run away from it all. And that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. You could <laughs> have. Just, yeah. You could have
0: been very irresponsible in your grief and you probably could, could have, have drank have, all the wine. could have
1: drank all the wine. I could have gone and traveled. I could have yeah. done all these things that at the time you're thinking that's what I needed. instead I just took my child to Cambodia for eight weeks and <laughs> I was irresponsible there which is what I needed but I'm like it was probably a more selfish time as a parent yeah for me but that's what I needed to do and so I, I wonder whether there was just a bit like this fragile relationship between us I didn't yeah. know what to expect from her she didn't know what to expect me, But funnily enough, I think the beautiful thing about coronavirus is, is I think it's just something beautiful happened to our relationship this year and um, it's really become this rock solid little team. I think we always have been, but, you know, she's just like such a delight and maybe it's her age as well where I'm like, I'm, yeah, bringing out this beautiful little girl that I think is going to be okay it still scares the shit out of me all the time this responsibility for her but um I feel so incredibly lucky that I've got her and that you know like the the interesting dynamic is it's kind of like we're mother and daughter but we're best friends but we're also housemates so it's all a bit of like <laughs> all over the place like the things like the conversations I probably have with her are quite different to you know what other parents are perhaps saying to their children because sometimes I have to be honest with her and say like I am tired or I'm sad or I try not to say it often but I'll you know if she's being a pain (laughs) I'll be like and wanting and wanting and wanting and you're just going like hi I don't have any other help like this is it this is me and I'm tired and you know we're just not today like we can't do that and and she's really good about it like she is she's a beautiful little soul um but yeah it's it's been a really tricky dynamic to to work with and as i said i think i'm still wading through a lot of emotion about what sort of has happened to us where Mm. i've kind of ended up what happened when i told her and yeah as i said guess maybe some of the guilt that i feel about parenting at that time which i think you know you slowly sort of work through but she's gonna forgive you for that if yeah. she if she she
0: probably has no recollection idea. of it she probably has no idea you're probably and just I, being so hard on yourself say, right I now you know probably nobody. just did the best job ever <laughs> and she's probably like mom what are you talking about i know i know <laughs> i
1: think you know it's yeah it's so a lot of it it's perhaps i can't recall yeah. a lot of things it's you know i'm a big part of grief and trauma for me has been that yeah i do actually suffer my memory is not as great as it used to be um and so maybe it's just, yeah, it's probably totally fictional in my head. Probably something I'm just trying to give myself a hard time maybe. about. But yeah, look, I it's not a role that has come naturally to me, but yeah. I feel like I'm starting to get it together. And that rather than resenting it, I'm really embracing that role as a single mother too and kind of going, to you know what, there should be no stigma attached to it because I feel like the women and men that I know that are single parents, but some of them are some of the strongest and toughest people out there and um, I agree I take my hat off to anyone doing that role that is trying to do the best that they can in the circumstances they've been given. So. Mm yeah it's you know through the whole experience it's given me a wake-up call about so many different things too about what I used to think yeah Mm. it definitely it wasn't I don't know the
0: role that you ever anticipated playing but now you're playing it and you have you've taken it on board and you're just doing the best you can Mm. with it I think I'm not a parent but as a parent I don't think anyone ever really knows how they're supposed to do it no. or what to do. <laughs> I feel like people expect like as soon as they're holding the baby to it's be like, like Ooh, their Ooh. manual. it's like this <laughs> innate intelligence comes <laughs> into my brain. Okay, yep, downloaded. Cool. Oh, yeah. right. So I do this. But I think there's no... There's no. and you you know, just, No one knows what they're doing.
1: Well, no one knows what they're doing. You never know what kind of parent you're going to be. You never know what kind of child you're going to get. You never know what stuff is going to get thrown at you. And... <laughs> I think the best thing I could say that's happened out of this is I've now realized that all that matters is that my child feels good and that I actually don't care whether what she grows up to be. I mean she's saying to the other night, she's like, Mummy, you know, Hyde's ambition is either coffee maker, gymnast, or <laughs> hairdresser. And I yes. just like do you know what hides whatever and she's like oh but could I like what if I want to be a gymnast and um a hairdresser I said well maybe you could just do which actually very like I said you could be a gymnast Monday to Friday and Saturday Sunday you could be a hairdresser and she's like yeah but then I wouldn't get a day off oh <laughs> I was like oh actually good point huh? very good point <laughs> but yeah I just you know what I you know I've been <clears throat> had a lot of conversations with her teachers over time and um you know, academically, I'm not sure how Heidi will go. I'm really mindful too. This is a little girl that's been through a very traumatic event. It's very and traumatic. So <clears throat> I also tend to think, I'm like, maybe she won't read as quickly as other children or write or mm. maths or things like that. But also maybe that's just not what her strength is. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I just don't want to stress about that as long as she's being nurtured in her friendships and relationships yeah. and that she... Can grow this inner confidence. That's really all that matters to me, and that has been a really good feeling to sort of come to and just and to facilitate that. Yeah, and I'm just proud of her. Like I'm, I'm really proud of her and the type of little girl she is. And I often don't even think that that's me. I think there is a little bit of innate, you know, I don't know. She's just like a little ray of sunshine. (laughs) I just yeah, and I. You know, I I love being with her and seeing her grow up. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting as a parent because often, you know, you go, oh, it goes so quickly, blah, blah, blah. I wish they were like this. I, I'm i actually loving it more and more as she grows. And don't get me wrong, I'm like, oh, God, it's so cute when they're like three or four. But I, I love the conversations mm. that we can have. I love that... Um, you know i i think she's becoming her own little person and we it's like she's she's good company to be with and you know i <coughs> took off to cambodia with her <laughs> eight weeks and yes. almost died like, <laughs> like, well thankfully i i would have had to have come home thankfully um so i went to a house sit a friend's place and who lives across in phnom penh and um they had a nanny, which I didn't realise. Like, I literally just booked a ticket for eight weeks and did not really, and just said, I'll stay at your house whilst they were in Italy for six to weeks of those eight weeks and did not plan any other thing, just pat the suitcases and the child and away we went. And wow. when I got there, we went away for a few days <clears throat> out to this island with my friends. And um, I remember my friend Pia said to me, she's like, oh, so is it okay if the nanny only works like four days of the week and knocks off a bit early I was like what nanny? Um, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> and so <clears throat> yeah the nanny came into play and I still couldn't tell you what I did for eight weeks except like <laughs> swan around and tuk-tuks and you know go to cafes and write and yep. read and, and things like that too but yeah, like, it's probably where I was a little bit, like, my parenting. I'm like, my, my lack of... Oh. <laughs> but also, like, let's go back to the part where, like, you need to grieve too. Yeah, yeah and I like think too, I just needed... Not mum Joe, but just Joe. And I needed that space. I needed space to get away from Geelong. I needed mm. to go somewhere where people were not looking at me and feeling sorry for me. And, um, to go and be me. Not... You're so right. Not to be the mum, um... And, look, obviously I'd be home in the afternoon to care for her when the natty clocked off. But to just actually kind of go, like, I've got a taste of freedom. And I think it reignited back in me. And because I had lots of moments there. And it's funny when I was saying to you, like, I just had this feeling that I just, you know, when you've been to those dark places of just wanting to feel good. And I can almost pinpoint different points. I remember maybe a couple of months after Craig had died, taking Heidi on their Sorrento ferry to go to a friends estate stay the night. And it was a beautiful day. We sat up on the top of the, like the boat and then dolphins came past. Oh and my I gosh. Just, yeah, and I just remember sitting there and thinking, I actually feel good. Like mm. how good is this? Because I'm, I've not been feeling good. Like this is such a nice moment. Like taking it Yeah, the it contrast in and, just blows you away. Yeah, and then when I was away in Cambodia, that was just, such a good time of feeling good consistently and yeah. doing, you know, like going to different places. We did a little bit of travel to like one night. Um was really quite funny. I did this food restaurant tour in Sam Reef. I've so, done one in Bali. That's yeah. so fun. So there. I was like I'd read about it, went to book it. So yeah, booked it for the night that or the second night after arriving. So I ended up flying the nanny up with us to Sam <laughs> <laughs> Who did I think I was? Oh, I loved It's like rich people things. Yeah, it was rich people things, but just thankfully nannies are not expensive. <laughs> really that is remember. brilliant. So flew her out there. It was her first time on an airplane, and oh. also first time she had been Singapore. So it felt like I was actually doing a really good thing as well. And um, <laughs> yeah, I would organised to do this food tour, and this the English woman ran the company was quite new to it, and so the idea was that they'd come and meet you at your hotel but mind you I thought I was on a group I was going on a group tour and so checked in with her the day before and she's like so you realize it's all private tours so you'll be going on your own oh whoa "Ah." and I was like I like the challenge I was like yeah all right I'll still go she just said I reckon good on you she said I think rather than you doing um like there was different styles you could do she said do this art and cocktail one because it'll take you different galleries. It's not so sit down on your own and have a mm. meal. There is at one point you'll you'll eat a few things, but it's a bit more, yeah, get up and about. And um yeah, so I she came and met me at the hotel, went out that evening, did the tour, had a great night. But before i left, she said to me, She was like, We just got along well within this 15-minute moment. She said, Hey, the last cafe you go to tonight to have dessert or whatever. And I said, Yeah, she said they turn one tomorrow, and she said, they're having a party. And Or no, two nights time, they're having a party, you should come. And I was like, oh, I'll see how I go. Anyway, when I went to this first art gallery, I met this French Cambodian woman, and she's taking me through the art gallery, and she says, hey, there's a party. Oh my gosh. <laughs> In two nights time, you should come, you should come. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll see like how I go, because I didn't know anything about it. Went to the next couple of places, it got mentioned to me again. And up at this cafe and the men that were running the bar were like we we turn one on saturday night you should you should come and by this stage i've drunk quite a bit of alcohol (laughs) and he was like yeah i will and they were like well here's a ticket you know it's 20 us dollars or whatever and gets you drinks and um i had a woman that was coming to sing a song a dj saved my life and this woman is like i think it's from like the 70s was was coming to sing and perform it at this cafe that night. It was so funny. Anyway, I bought a ticket. I then gone home and, you know, you wake up the next day. Actually, it was Heidi's birthday the next day. We went to the temples and I was starting to go, like, I think I'm going to this party. There's no chance. And it was was not that night. It was the next night. The next, during the Saturday, kind of we went around doing our own thing and this woman that runs the tour messages me in the morning and says, so... Are you coming tonight um and i said oh look yeah i'll see how i go So because we won't be going to like nine o'clock but we so if you decide to come come at nine o'clock because i can come and meet you and we'll go and i was like oh. as a day kind of when i was like what? oh no 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 now nah. like why'd i go i only know one woman i've met for 15 minutes and this other french cambodian lady that i've also met for approximately half an hour <laughs> and, Anyway, it got to about sort of 7 o'clock at night, and I just thought, do you know what? What's the worst that can happen? Like, what is the worst that can happen? I can go, have one drink, and if I'm not talking to anyone or it seems weird, I just go home. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the worst thing that can happen. And I was nervous. Like, definitely nervous. Of course. And, um think i probably just had a beer before i left or something like that <laughs> the nanny looked after heidi and off i went to this cafe and at nine o'clock showing sure up this woman evie ellie um came and met me at the front like i text her i was like i'm two minutes away whatever it is came met me at the front i stayed out dancing till like 3 a.m in the morning like i wow. just had the most amazing night because i think i'd gone well what's the worst that can happen i can just yeah. go home and i just you know they were really kind introducing me to people and it was a bigger oh. sort of expat community and i just had a ball and i remember just thinking this is what it's like to feel good yeah. and to just throw yourself into different situations and, and kind of go with a bit of a stuff it attitude yeah. like you know i could have gone to cambodia i could have hated it but what was the worst that could happen i just go home Yeah. Go to different events if you don't like it, just go home. Funnily enough, I'm still in touch with that woman that runs the tour, and I've oh. since been back to see her. and She was like, like I think this will be the third time if I get back over there again. She's like, next time you stay at my house. And I'm like, yeah, well, this friendship's developing. <laughs> it has, it really has. <laughs> Which is nice. I so. love that you just decided to live life that night. You're I think like, you I'm have just to go do it. And I, you know, that's where I'm really love travel because I think it makes you do things that are outside of your comfort zone and I think I'm starting to push that a little bit back into my home life too I mean last year I took off to the Grampians and I went to um, the Royal Mail Hotel and did like the eight course diva station menu oh that's so cool (laughs) but same thing I thought a girlfriend was going to come with me she'd had to pull out And I was just like, stop it. I've always wanted to do this. And I think. Oh my God, you're incredible. Well, I think there's part of me that goes, I don't want Craig's death to stop me from doing things that I've always wanted to do. And if anything, now it opens up an opportunity for me to go. I can spoil myself that little bit more and and take the time. Like I don't have to ask anyone, not that I have to seek permission, but you know, if you're going away, something's working out, is it the right time? What have you gone? Now I don't have to do that. I can just kind of work out the child or she comes with me and yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit like, well, if there's a restaurant that I really wanted to go to and I can't get a girlfriend or maybe I don't want to, just go and I'm pretty comfortable in my own company these days, just why isolation's pretty good for me. I know, I agree. Yeah, that um, I'm okay with experiences Mm -hmm. like that. And I'm proud of myself too sometimes after it's where I just kind of go, good on you, like you're not letting this, like get you down or sitting at home, oh, I just wish, just wish. Like I just, yeah, I think sometimes you just kind of got to embrace life and, and go for it, so... That's kind of the attitude I've got, when I'm not moping around, though. <laughs> I'm not moping around, but you have both, ebb and flow. Exactly, <laughs> it's the balance of both. Absolutely. This mm. has been
0: such an awesome conversation. I know, I feel
1: like we have been sitting here for hours. <laughs> I know,
0: same. I mean, I do want to give you an opportunity to just think about it for a minute, if there is anything to do with grief, to do with Craig, to do with you that no one really knows or you haven't had the opportunity to speak about or share awareness on or whether or not you think we've wrapped it up in a pretty nice pink bow.
1: <laughs> How much have I got? I, I do feel like I've covered quite a bit of it. I think, yeah, so I think, I think really grief summed up for me in the end, it's just going, we need to be compassionate towards others and show compassion to ourselves. And I think that's, what I'm truly learning and um and and sometimes it surprises me because it's even compassion for those who are not grieving. It's just going like, how do we show compassion to others? How do we show that to ourselves? And I think if you can strike that balance you're doing pretty well. I agree. <laughs> That's about it. I love everything you say, Joe. <laughs> Thank you so much for having
0: this conversation with yeah, me. Thank you so much for having me. Oh. I really appreciate it. It's been amazing. We've been sitting here in Anglesey, surrounded by lots of birds. We've had a few visitors. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't been out to see them, but we've had yeah. a few parrots come to visit. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, thank you so much.
1: And thank you. I just so feel very honoured that you'd share this with me and whoever's listening on the other side. Wow. Well, I'm very appreciative appreciate anyone that takes the time to listen, but thank you so much also.
0: <laughs> oh, before we leave, I forgot to say, where can the listeners find you?
1: Oh, so they can find yeah. me on Instagram, either at Joe.bets or Facebook. Just type in bets. Also, I'm sure I pop up. But yeah, I also blog a little and start my grief journal on joe.betts.com.au. So yes, that's where I can be found. It's beautiful. Oh, I
0: have you. my own copy and I haven't felt ready
1: yeah, to write
0: yet. But it is there, and I flipped through it many times, and I yeah. look at it and I go, "This would be such a good thing to do right now." But I just don't think I'm quite ready. Yeah, and I think but that's, it's there
1: for when I am, and that's been the beauty of it because I know what I'm like too. And when I sort of wrote that and put that together, that was with that intention of going, "Do you know what? It might sit on your shelf for two years, it might mm. six months, whatever it is. You know when you're ready, and it doesn't have to be all done at once. That it can just be today. I want to explore loneliness or." Today I want to deal with something easier and, and think about like, what am I grateful for? So it was very much with that in mind because I, I totally agree. You've got to be ready. You've got to be in the right space. And, and only you know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> wow. How amazing is Joe? I think I ended up listening back to this podcast about four times and each time it hit a bit different something new resonated stronger than the time before and i know that you listening here for the first time today are going to be going through exactly the same thing something in joe's story will resonate with you and and it will touch you and our hopes here today is that it'll make you feel like you're not alone in your grief because Brief is isolating but we wanted you to know that you are not alone and that it's okay to grieve whatever that looks like because it can look like a multitude of things some days will be good and some days not so good thank you for showing up here today and for taking the time to listen to both joe and i i know how grateful we both are and if something did resonate with you and connect with you. Please do not hesitate to reach out to either of us. We would both love to hear from you. Of course, I need to say a massive, massive thank you to Jo for showing up and recording this podcast with me and having this beautiful conversation that honestly could have gone on and on and on for hours and hours. It is so important what Jo is doing. She is normalizing the conversation around grief something that society tells us we need to hide and to conceal. And for that, I am so grateful. She truly has given grief a voice. Thank you to each and every one of you who have taken the time to write a really beautiful review on the Apple Podcasts app. And to all of those who have subscribed, it means a world to me that you are looking forward to each episode as they do come along. Thank you again for spending this time with me. And I look forward to seeing you all in my next episode.